Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Transmission. I'm your host, Harry. And firstly, just like to say sorry for the inactivity on the pod in the last couple of weeks. That is solely down to me, the man that hits the word publish, or hits the word, you know what I mean. I have forgot to basically save and upload the last two episodes. What can I say? Negligence is all I can say. But I tell you who isn't negligent, and that's our man OJFX, who sponsors another episode, Financial Future of OJFX. Give them a follow on Instagram, at OJFX underscore, or go on the website, www.ojfx.co.uk, and the guys there will help you out incredible amounts. They'll make you loads of money. You know, I'm not going to be liable for saying that, but what I will say is, they will. So I will be liable. Give those a follow, visit their website, and hopefully you enjoy this podcast with a nice amount of humour. With any luck, anyway. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. The Arsenal Transmission Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Transmission Podcast. I'm your host, Harry, and once again, I am joined by the delightful co-host of the show, Alfie. Hi, you How are you, sir? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad? Have you got over the, um, well, it was, a, it was a draw, but it felt like a defeat. So, have you got over right. that one yet, or not yet? Well, it's a weird one, to be honest. I, this is the thing, I think... For me, it didn't take any getting over at all because I remember watching the game. I mean, that was that was the first shot. The fact that I'd even bothered to watch the game, but, I remember, <laughs> but no, but I remember thinking, this doesn't, this actually doesn't matter. So you can say, "Oh, have you got over it?" In the sense that we was robbed by bad VAR decisions, but in terms of being over the result, I, to be honest, I was neither here nor there whether we won the game or not. It would have been nice to win. But let's face it, these games in the Premier League, or I should say our Premier League campaign, is nothing but a thorn in our side. If we get any injuries trying to play these teams so we can fight for whatever it is, eighth, then that's going to just be, that. that is going to be a mistake and an error. So I, I don't, I mean, it bothered me, the, the officiating, but other than that, to be honest, I couldn't care less and bring on Thursday. There's a few things you mentioned there. Before we unbox those, let's just kind of touch on the game, specifically the first half and then on to the second and on to the rest of it. First half, the first 25, 30 minutes, we were sensational. We were moving it quickly, even though their pitch didn't really allow us to do that. It was bobbling up god-awful. But we saw some good play. We saw some good playing out from the back. We'll come on to the bad. But we saw some good playing out from the back. Aubameyang picks the ball up from just outside the area. We've seen him do this multiple times over the last 18 months to two years. Picking the ball up, step over, step over, step over, step over. Not some German, not step over. Step over, step over. Gets it onto his right foot, gets away the strike. It's the back of the net. And I know the keeper made a bit of a shambles on it, but I think the pitch played a big part in that. And that was their own undoing because they decided not to wet the pitch before the game. We all know why that is. Well, exactly. I mean, it suits them to play Neanderthal football, doesn't it? Well, I don't know if you've seen the screenshot, but there's like the last two minutes. There's, there's a point where all 11 men 
for Burnley are in their own box. Yeah, but you know what? Play to disgusting. Your... Disgusting. Yeah, but play to your strengths. You know, like Sean Dyche, he knows what his team are capable of, and he knows what they're about. And so he's never going to start playing this sort of mesmerising ticker tacker for want of a better word, football, is he? I mean, it makes sense to do what he's done. Um, yeah, I get that, but there's there's also a kind of um, middle ground when it comes to that, where you have to play football. You can't put Leverman in your own box. I agree. And at one one, I just dropped my phone. Can you still hear me, Alfie? Yeah, you're all right. Sorry, did you hear that? I kind of kicked it with my slipper. How posh. Yeah. Um, basically, what I was trying to say before I kicked my phone into the abyss, 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 um, abyss. Biff is a Back to the Future character, I believe. Um, You know, he can only do what he can do, and I agree with what you're saying, but there comes a point where you can't put 11 men in your own box. You've heard of 11 men in your own half, but 11 men in your own box is a bit near the the mark, a bit rugby. Yeah, but you know what? I mean, how many many points are Bernie even below us? Do you know what Not I mean? Many. Not many. Exactly. So, you know, well, I think there's a time for looking at um, fluidity in your play and and playing with a bit of a bit of you know zazz or whatever. And then there's a time Swaz. just just to get the job done. And and you know we haven't re- we don't finish teams off. I think that's just something that has been sort of it's permeated the whole season. The fact that we all go one nil up. We'll go 2-0 up. We'll go 3-0 up. You can't, you know, it's not like other teams where you go 3-0 up and you think, oh, do you know what? I really fancy a game of FIFA. I'll have the Arsenal game on in the background and I'll just boot up the FIFA because I'm sure we're going to be fine. We'll probably win and I'll keep an eye on it. We don't get to go out to the kitchen, put the kettle on, make a cup of tea and come back because you just don't know. You've got no inclination as to whether or not we're actually going to get the three points. And it doesn't matter how much of an advantageous position we're in because we can't be trusted. And, you know, looking at the way we conceded, it all comes down to it again. I mean, for Xhaka to be making a mistake like that is just unbelievable when he's just about got the fans back on side now, right? People don't hate him anymore. And even there's been even little whispers of, oh, you know what, like, He's getting a better player. Arteta's making something out of him. And he's obviously shown good leadership because everyone rants about how much of a good leader he is and stuff. And then he goes and throws that. Yeah, I think you just said some really good points about, I know he's making a joke of it about putting the kettle on, but it is it does ring true and it has rung true, not only for this season, for a number of seasons, even into the Wenger kind of latter years of Wenger. Um you know I'm a big fan of Xhaka. I wouldn't say big fan. That's probably a bit of an overstatement. But I, I'm a fan of Xhaka. I think he gives he offers something that a lot of our other squad players don't. Now, I don't think we should build our team around Xhaka. I don't think Xhaka is the answer to all our problems in midfield. But he is the best of our bunch in, you know, proverb terms. And uh, I am not convinced it was totally his fault, that goal. Yes, he's, he's the one that's made the pass and it's hit Chris... Was it Chris Wood? Yeah. Sounds like a porn star name, doesn't it, that? Chris Wood. Um, Would he? Uh, well, Wood, doesn't it? But anyway, I don't... Oh, sorry. I just got what you meant. <laughs> <laughs> ah. 
<laughs> you silly sausage. <laughs> Pardon the pun. Um, what I will say is that I, you know, if we're going to talk about the error, and we do make errors on errors on errors. We made one against Leicester the week before. We won made We made another one very similar against Villa. They're three goals that are kind of carbon copies. I know the Burnley one was kind of a um, a bit out there on unluck or whatever way you want to look at it. Don't screenshot whatever your screenshot. Listen to the conversation, Alfie. There's a lot that's going on in that phase of play. And I believe, you know, first of all, Tierney shouldn't play it to Mari. Mari then shifts the blame across to Leno. And as a keeper, and not only in the keeper, but an experienced keeper that's played at high level, played for the German international team, been Arsenal's number one for a number of years, been by Leverkusen's number one. He's not a new kid on the block. He needs to get that ball at his feet and hit it as long as you can. And I know a lot of people will go, yeah, but then we might lose the second phase and the ball, they might then retain the ball on the halfway line. But I can tell you one thing, retaining the ball on the halfway line is a lot better than retaining than retain the ball in the six-yard box. Yeah, but... And I think just because Shaka shows for the ball doesn't necessarily mean that's the ball you play. He's shown for the ball because he's got to show for the ball. If, if he doesn't show for the ball, you go, he's hiding, he's not showing for the ball, he's not helping his keeper out. You know, if he, if the keeper tries to get rid of it and gets closed down, you go, why has no one showed for him? But what the keeper needs to do there, as soon as he gets his defeat, he can see the whole picture. He can see the whole canvas. He can see where's where, who's where, what's on, what's not on. He should be able to see it like a snooker player and go, okay, if I give this to Shaka, where's the white ball going after? The white ball can only go one way, which was to David Louise, but there's a striker in the way. So he needs to kind of assess that at a millisecond at that high level of uh, professional sport and be like, right, get rid of it, hit it up long, push the team back up, we'll go again. Yeah, you, you can't... It's it, There are too many people on Shaka, and I know the 12 games don't have... Um, what's the word? Is it precedence, Al? Yeah. Precedent. They don't have any kind of magnitude to what, as, what happens there, but Shaka's been playing well. He's been one of our most stable players... He's trying to help his keeper out. He's trying to be a leader, like you've just mentioned. But that keeper needs to hit that ball long. And I hate to say it, if Martinez was in the goal, Martinez hits that long and he hits it over his own half, goes into the opposition half and we reset. That is the only option there. I know you can say pass that from the back. Look what happened when we passed that from the back. We scored a goal. But there are, to the in professional sport at this level, there are minute differences and that's where you need to be switched on and that's when a keeper who needs to be concentrated 100% of the time needs to realise assess what's going on in front of him and just either get rid or if he can play it to Shaka play it to Shaka the position Chris Wood takes up and who is it behind I can't think of it is behind they're there they're right on top of Shaka he's showing for it because he's trying to help him out but I can guarantee you now Shaka don't want that ball Mm. The thing is, he he's shown for it, but I also think it's hard for us because he may well have, you know, you can't hear what he's saying. He may well have called for it as well, literally after the ball. And yeah, then... but yeah, I I agree. But again, that goes kind of hand in hand with the comment I'm making about as a keeper, as you know, one of the big players in the squad, one of the most experienced players. We've heard over the last few weeks, we need the experienced players to step up. And that's when some sort of experience, you know, Martin Keown mentioned it at half time. I know Martin Keown is a legend of the club 
I don't know, he's not really well thought of a month amongst the fan base as a uh, pundit. But he said, keep a clear line, just get rid of it. And if, as a centre half or centre mid, you show for it because you have to show for it, that doesn't mean you pass it to him. Because right. if he doesn't show for it, then what does he do? If he can't, if he gets flapping and, you know. I don't know. I just think that putting that aside, going um, going in at the break, one all right. We should have enough on that pitch to beat Burnley, and there's not an excuse. You can look at the mistake from you know whatever, Xhaka or the keeper, whoever it might be, right? Whoever the blame actually lies on. But ultimately, we should have look at our squad, man for man, and you're telling me that we can't. Beat Burnley, and it just goes to show, like how far we've fallen, pretty much. Because that is, you know, that's a mid-table team thing, not being able to beat Burnley, and then and then everyone's like, oh, um, you know, well, we went we, we went to one all, and then they put eleven men behind the ball. So what do you want us to do? That's that's what a pathetic thing to say that you can't. You can't well, it goes, Alf, it goes back to the point you make. We do not put the salt to any team. And I haven't seen us do that once this year. I know we, you know, on reflection, you look at the result against Esther. What was it, 3-1? In reflection, you go, oh, we must have put the sword in. We never go, we never have that kind of smell blood, killer instinct. And we don't kill off a game. We could have gone 2-0 up and that game is completely different because they will then have to come out a bit more. We don't make the mistake. And the game is easy sailing. But once again, we are our worst enemy. We make all our own problems. And we have done this time and time again. I like Arteta. I think he's the right man for the job. But what I will say is, there comes a point when that is not even the players. A lot of the times I'm more, you know, the players need to do more for the manager. But when it comes to that, that is bad game management and not putting the right players on, not doing the right things at the right time, managerial. Managerial? You know what I mean. You know what I'm trying to say. But that's when, as a manager, you earn your cheese. You then inflict the damage on the opposition. You see the tactical changes you need to make. You don't have to make a substitution, but you can go from a back three to a back, uh, back four. Or you can overload the middle. You can overload one channel. And I feel like sometimes with Arteta, he tries to be too smart. And he tries to be too smart with our squad. We saw Chambers play at right back. And I think we can all agree. Fantastic to see one of our young players, young English players coming back. One of our average players that we've got on our book. But the reason he played him at right back, this wasn't like, oh, we just was giving him a game. This was some sort of tactical subject where they like to hit a diagonal ball behind the shoulder of the fullback between the fullback and the uh, centre half for uh, Dwight McNeil I think his name is Dwight but whatever his name is McNeil on left mid for them to run in behind or to get up onto the ball and then Chris Wood peels off on that side and then they have that is how they get out and that's why Callum Chambers played right back and you can understand why he did it but the problem is as soon as he does his job supposedly defensively there is absolutely nothing going forward. He's not a right back. He hasn't. He doesn't offer enough, even defensively, let alone attackingly. And it is a real shame that we've come away from Turf Moor with one point. Where in the first 10, 15 minutes, you thought the old Arsenal would have put two or three past him in half an hour, and we'd have gone, "Good night, Vienna. Thank you very much. We'll see you next season. Hopefully not. But we might do." 
But at the moment, we have no killer instinct. We can't put a game to bed when we're on top. And once again, we can see just before half time, just to let them back into the game. And, you know, to be fair to Burnley, that worked exactly their game plan. Second half, come out and you just go, dog it out, long balls, long balls. And they nearly scored in the second half. There was a really clear chance for them where Chris Wood, whatever his name is, I can't remember his first name, I don't know what's going on with me tonight, but Wood goes through and then does make a good save, but it was straight at him, but he makes a good save and we go, fucking hell, it's nearly 2-1, fucking wake up. Yeah, but do you know what? It is weird because we, we, there's, there's a bigger thing going on in the background here that we haven't spoke about yet, and that's the fact that Arteta knows Thursday is our cup final, right? So Chambers, yeah, want it, you know, maybe it was a tactical experiment, maybe it wasn't. The fact is, if we were still in the race for top four, Chambers doesn't play. We would just play our starting eleven. And the other fact is I can only imagine that this is the reason why that absolute piece of dog shit, William, was playing, is because he's saving Pepe for Thursday. Because look at no way, no way in a million years is Arteta doing that. I tell you why Arteta picked Willian because he's becoming Venga stubborn and he's saying he's the man I wanted and I'm going to play him. He's had a good game against Leicester. He was good against Leicester. Unfortunately for the listeners, I have done a kind of um, prologue to this podcast where I addressed why we haven't made any podcasts. We've made them, but I forgot to hit publish. So. Apologies for that again. But William played well against Leicester. So, therefore, that gives him the justification to play him again in the on the weekend against Burnley. Yep. Yet again, he goes missing and missing and missing. He didn't play bad. I'm not saying he's played. He's had a shocking performance. He doesn't deserve to put the shirt on. But what he has not done, he has not emulated the performances of people like Pepe. Martinelli. I know Smith Rowe is injured, but Smith Rowe, Erdegaard has made a big impact. Jesse might not have got the assist, but I think there needs to be a bigger conversation. You know, we've spoke about this in the podcast before about, you know, being a stat fetish uh, podcast. That is not us. We you have to we view football as a kind of armchair fan, and everybody's an armchair fan at the moment, on watching the game. And Art and William, sorry, does not offer us anything. Progressively, or defensively. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Pepe, come on! And within minutes, he won us a penalty that we didn't get given. But all right. But that should have been a penalty. At that point, he wins us the game because we're going to score from the spot. Go on to win the game. Pepe causes absolute carnage in the box. Admittedly, sometimes he doesn't quite know where he's going with the carnage. He's sort of creating chaos that even he can't control. A bit like when you watch them films and the superheroes got a superpower and in the beginning of the film, oh, your, internet, your internet connection is going a bit funny. Can you turn off your Wi-Fi, mate? Turn it off. And just go 4G. Uh, Hello. No. Yeah, you're back. Sorry about that, Alf. Sorry about that technical difficulty. For some reason, the app we use uh, had a bit of a malfunction. Anyway, Alf, I completely agree with you on Pepe. I think Pepe is the answer to some of our problems especially when we cannot play the free behind the striker of Smith-Rowe, Odegaard and Saka. He needs to be our man coming in to fill the void. And we've seen it time and time again over the last six months. 
he's performing now. He is putting in the shift. He's he's putting those creative performances in, and they kind of to me remind me of when Sanchez played for the club, and a lot of people, you know, when Alexis came to the club from Barcelona, he had the nickname of Alexis Miss Chances. And with a player like that, the output is so high that of course they're going to miss and of course they're going to do this. And I know Pepe had a swing and a miss at a shot and it completely hit his heel and went off. But what Pepe does give us is a very direct approach into that box. And then you can yeah. only score if you're driving into that box. You ain't scoring unless you're an absolute wonder girl of wonder girl yeah. from outside the box. And that doesn't happen. And if you could have 10 shots and they don't go in. Yeah, but this, this is the thing with Pepe, right? I don't think he's put a foot wrong, really, since coming to the club. I think the foot he's put wrong is he was sold for a lot of money, which he has no control over. And so because the English media didn't think that he justified the price tag that his agent wanted, he's been basically dragged through the, uh, dragged through the whatever, through the ringer. And for what? He ain't put a foot wrong. He will win us the most penalties on that pitch because all he does is gets in the box, draws fouls in the box. He takes shots from outside the box. What about the screamer that he nearly scored that got cleared off the line? Yeah. And so I think that, that, there's, something you're, there's something you touched on there. He drives at the defenders. When Pepe has the ball, if he's on the right, you know he's coming on his left. He's either going to put a lovely ball across or he's going to have a shot and it's going to be close. If he If he pulls that trigger and gets that just half yard, it's going close if it's not going in. And if we're going to go on to the penalty situation this early on, that first one, and it's mad to say that first one that wasn't given, because to say there was two penalties weren't given is absolute lunacy when there's VAR on. But that first one is so stonewall, it is an absolute joke. And to say, oh, you know, he's too close to the ball, that was the kind of line that the VAR put out. He's too close, he can't see it. And you can you can understand that justification if the ball if his arms are like fire I don't know as a straight, but his arm is not even it's hyper extended it's coming across his body, and I've seen a few screenshots of kind of him turning away. He knows Eric Peters knows exactly what's happened there. He's made himself big by making himself big with his chest and his body. He's put his arms out, and the ball struck his arm. Therefore, that is a I don't care if it's half a yard or three yards away. He knows what he's doing. He's tried to make himself bigger and it's hit his arm. Penalty, thank you very much. There's no guarantee we'd have scored the penalty. But, you know. And then the second one, it just is the icing on the cake. At first glance, I didn't think it was a penalty. And then when when he's gone red card, I said to my dad, who I watch every game with, I said, he must be sure to give him a red card when there's a VAR... He must be absolutely guaranteed that that is a red card. Now, a lot of people saying it wasn't a penalty, it's hit his shoulder. And although it's hit his shoulder, the point I said to my dad while watching it, he's hit his shoulder, but that's not really why I think the penalty should be given. It's because he's kind of shrugged his arm up. It's hit his shoulder, but at the time of throwing his shoulder up, even though it's hit his shoulder... That has changed the structure of the ball onto the bar, onto the bar, and it goes over. If he doesn't, if it kind of clips his arm and goes up, or his shoulder and goes, hits the, hits the bar, you can understand it. But he is literally, if you watch it again, he kind of shrugs and it comes off his shoulder 
up onto the bar. And it's an absolute joke. I think we should have won 3-1. I think they both should have been penalties. And I think he should have been on the pitch for about 15 minutes before the second one because of the amount of fouls he did. There was one on Lacazette. That's a yellow. 100% that's a yellow. I think he actually yellowed, yellowed for it. And then I think it's a yellow card for the handball. So the third one, well, sorry, the second penalty shouldn't even be a question because he shouldn't even be on the pitch. Uh, I don't know about the set. The second penalty, I think it's an absolute disgrace that the ref has given a red, like you say, giving it Charlie Big Potatoes, like, oh, I know what's going on. You've just uh, handled the ball like a goalkeeper save. I'm sending you off. Let's have it right. Okay, ref, you've clearly guessed, like completely guessed, and you've sent the player off. So that's embarrassing. I don't think that was a penalty. Um, I think, yeah, obviously he the ball strikes his shoulder and it completely changes the trajectory of the ball, but it's kind of his right to, to do that. But the first penalty, I don't care whether the ball is a yard away from him and you can make the argument that he doesn't have enough time to get out of the way, which perhaps he don't. In fact, he, he probably doesn't. But the fact remains that his arm prevents a goal-scoring opportunity. In that first one, so well, it's kind a, of, and, it's, and I know, I know it's not. You can't apply every single penalty to the one we had against us against Wolves, right? But if I look at this on a, a sole, a solely, this is a penalty versus this is not a penalty. David Luiz against Wolves is given a straight red and sent off when he's running back. He hasn't made the challenge. The striker has slowed his run down to get his shot off. They've clipped Hills on the knee. That's a straight red. That's a penalty, intentionally or unintentionally, he stopped a goal-scoring opportunity. So where the fuck do the rules lie when it's handball? So what, should David Luiz should just kind of fell on the ball with his arm? I know it sounds a bit kind of ludicrous and it is a bit silly, but the problem is, we've said it on this podcast time and time again about VAR, there is zero consistency, zero. And it's because the rules are all subjective and it, it matters on, it's like a lottery. You know, we saw Fulham get a goal disallowed because his arm is by on his knee. His hand is on his knee, but the ball strikes him on the elbow region and then the ball kind of falls down and they strike. And they, they, they strike the ball, whatever, I think it's uh, Josh Madger, strikes the ball, hits the back of the net and it's rolled off because they see it as a goal-scoring opportunity that's benefited from a goal, which is fine. But then you can't then say regardless of how the ball's been handled, be that accidental or, you know, or purpose, when it's in that short distance, then it's not a goal because, it, you know, he's not meant it. Because the Fulham player hasn't meant it. Therefore, 24 hours, 40 hours difference, the rules need to apply for everything. It's, it's weird, right? Because it, it, for me, it just brings back my original thoughts on VAR was, and I think quite a few people felt that this was going to be the case. I thought VAR, now this might sound ridiculous, I don't know, I'm sure you'll tell me, right? I thought VAR was just going to be a computer that mathematically basically says, this is offside, factually, matter of fact, this is not offside, or this is over the line, or this is handball, and it's all done by a computer. When they introduced VAR, I thought it was all going to be done on a system. What I didn't know. Well, it's, there's, there's two things there, Alf, and I completely agree with you. The problem isn't necessarily VAR, it's the people that control VAR, and the people that control VAR 
are the people on the FA. They are the referees. They are the fifth official, whatever their title is now. Yeah, but hey. so, what ha- so what happens is, you know, I'm not trying to sound like fucking Elon Musk here, but it's like they are purposely stopping automization of refereeing where it becomes 100% auto-generated. I think we can all agree. We don't necessarily need a football referee on the pitch. We could have it, you know, in 2021, we could have it where it's all computerized. Like you're saying, you're offside, you're offside, the computer's pulled it up. Sorry. Well, this is the thing, right? So all I was going to go on to say is that you say that it's the people, but that's the problem. It's not people. VAR, on any given day, VAR is one bloke's opinion. And that is the very thing that it's supposed to be divorced from. It's meant to be, all right, so you've got, I don't know, you've got Graham Pohl, he's refereeing, right? Cool, turning back yeah. the years there, right? right? You got Grandpa, he's the ref, but then you got VAR. So if the ref gets it wrong, the human being makes a judgment that is wrong, as we're all prone to human being error, and everyone can be forgiven for getting an offside decision wrong. The lino can get things wrong, we're only human. So then they go to the VAR, but the VAR is just another human that's prone to the same biases and prone to the same errors. When they introduced it, I didn't think it was just going to be, oh, okay, the ref thinks this, so now we're going to go to another ref who's watching the, the screen. But it's still just the opinion of, of that ref. It's not a matter of fact. What what I would what makes more sense to me is there is someone controlling the screen and they have no opinion on it and they go, ref, have a look at the screen. What do you think? Tell us what you see when you see in a kind of instant replay situation, and then at least then you have some sort of, it's the ref's opinion. But at the moment, you have you have the two linesmen, you have the fourth official, you have the fifth official who's in Stanley Park, and then you have the referee. So you have six opinions all going on at once. They all don't want to upset each other because they're all friends. They all are colleagues. Yeah. And then you get this sort of inconsistency because they all try and, Make each other look not look fucking stupid. I know it kind of goes against the point about the penalty we gave the red card, but this is what you're seeing time and time and time and time again. When it's like, you know, this isn't an Arsenal issue. This is not. I know I've seen on Twitter about an Arsenal bias. I do think there is an Arsenal bias in the media, but when it comes to officiating, I think the officiating is so fucking shit. That's the problem. I don't think it's a bias against Arsenal and we're hard done by Megan. We're not the Megan Markle of the Royal Family and all the rest of it. I do think this is more to do with the officiating being absolutely dog crap. And I've said it on the podcast before. Arsene Wenger said once, and I think it was his last season or maybe a few years prior, about a World Cup that was upcoming and said there will be no English referees at the World Cup. At the highest level, because the FA, on the FA, the UEFA do not deem them good enough or yeah. of any sort of higher call that they should be ref in the top games, and that's mad. But this is the other thing, right? So you think the refs are looking out for each other? What about the pundits, right? How funny is this? Probably the most funny thing I've ever heard in my life. When the pundit said, "Oh, isn't it great that VAR looked at the red card?" And it got the decision right because he shouldn't have been sent off. So, you know, yeah. we're, easy to, yeah. we're easy to jump the gun and moan about VAR. But I think it's important that we just accept that sometimes 
VAR really has a place in the game. Fuck off. What are you talking about? So what about the one yeah. what about the one that you didn't yeah. give? What about the one where you went, ah nah, exactly. right. Because it completely Yeah, one hundred percent And that's what my dad said when he was watching it. He screamed at him, he said bollocks. What about the first yeah. one? How can you turn around and say, uh, well, you know, another successful outing for VAR because the ref's made an error with a red card and it's all been sorted and we can all go home and play happy families. Well, yeah, but at that level, like, hang on a minute, that's a 50-50 success rate because VAR got the red card. I personally, I think, yeah, good. He shouldn't have been sent off and I don't think it was handball. So VAR got that one right. But it also got the Pepe handball wrong. So but this is the thing, Alf. They, you know, before VAR, there was always that kind of urban myth. Oh, that's a myth. But it's always like these things even themselves out across the season, right? If you look at that game on a, you know, on its own level, the first one was a penalty, should have been given. Yeah, it wasn't given. Whatever reason, it wasn't given. The second one, he sent him off and gave a penalty, and it's overturned. And, you know, take VAR out of it, Arsenal would have got a penalty. Yeah, 100%. Regardless of it being right or wrong, we could, I think there is not one football fan, if you ask them to themselves, if their life depended on it, is that a penalty, yes or no? The first one, they go, yeah, of course it is. First one. Personally, of course the it first... But not even, the, the funny thing is with the first one, Al, there's two fucking handballs in yeah. there. There's the first one that Pepe's asking for, he gets it back down, he flicks it past him, and then he even he even makes a worse handball where he's yeah. hyperextended his arm. And there's there's kind of a um, bit of a meme where it's a bit like he's vain, his left arm's like incredibly tense because he's literally like that. He's at such a hyperextension that it's like, come on, man. Yeah. Fuck me. It doesn't matter if he it doesn't matter how close he is, he's making himself big. That's his point of putting his arms out there. You know, it's not like his arms are underneath his armpits in any sort of way. They are above, they're nearly above the shoulder, for God's sake. Yeah, it just doesn't make sense. I just didn't like the fact that the pundits were very quick to applaud VAR in uh, getting rid of the red card, but just completely sort of ignoring the fact that up until that point, it had been pretty crap. But anyway, forgetting about Alf, can I, can I just go back into what you just said there? Sorry, mate. There's a reason all these pundits aren't saying you know, sometimes the whole opinion and the whole truth, there's only a number of them that I can count on, and they are Roy Keane, possibly Gary Neville. Because they're all scared of the FA. Because I work in TV advertising, I have some sort of understanding on TV advertising. They're bidding for the rights of the football and the Premier League and the Championship. I'm telling you now, they are getting in the ear, in their earpiece, about the director saying, don't say that, say this, don't say that, say this, don't say that. Because they don't want to upset the FA. It's just a bit like the managers. If a manager ever critiques a referee in their post-match interview, what happens? They get banned and they get fined. What's this, fucking North Korea all of a sudden? Yeah. Listen, I, I think... I... It's, all, it's all political. And that, what is it? We said it before on the pod. Mark Halsey said about it won't be too long before a few a uh, few referees are in court for match fixing, and I don't know if you realise this, Alf. I saw this on Twitter today that it's ten years ago since Van Persie was sent off against Barcelona. Do you remember yeah, that one? Well, I can remember that one where they're all doing the fake whistle, so he kicks the ball away and the ref sends him off. How can I ever forget? It's etched in my brain. Yeah, well, it's not necessarily fake whistle. It's because they're all doing the booing from they do in Spain. 
and it's one second between the whistle being blown and him, him kicking the ball, and he gets sent off. We was going through. He gets sent off. We lose 3-2. Bentner comes on, should have scored. Mr. Sitter. The rest is history. But at the moment, what's going on in Spain is Real Madrid and Barcelona have been pretty much proven guilty for their own governments funding them, the Catalonian government and the Spanish government funding both clubs, which is for political gain, really. And the second thing is match fixing. They've all been done for. So it's like, if we all think and we can sit here now and say, that ain't happening in the Premier League, no way, then you're fucking off your nut. Regardless if that's for Arsenal or against Arsenal, there there is corruption in every level of sport. Every level of sport. You speak to any person that watches a lot of sport. Alf, you watch cricket, you watch snooker, we watch boxing together. There is corruption all across the board. And to think that the Premier League isn't ravaged with corruption would be a complete fucking... The good, the good news is I don't think... I think you would have to have every single ref corrupt towards Arsenal and then we'd probably finish maybe fifth. So that's the good news. The other good news is the fact that, like I said earlier on in the podcast, VAR aside and all of this aside, this game did not matter. Who actually cares? Every time we go into that road now, yep. it's a cup final. And I couldn't care less about this game. And it sounds bad, but I genuinely couldn't. It's a complete waste of time. William hopefully won't play on Thursday. Hopefully, or I mean, Chambers won't. I guarantee he will pick William for starting eleven. I'll have Alf, I'll have a ten with you. But, but right what? Now. But I don't understand. Right, forgetting my personal vendetta against William because I do have one. Because for me, he hasn't done a single thing since he's been at the club, right? But forgetting all that, just being as unbiased and as gentle and not shouting as I can. How can you warrant picking William over someone that come on and within minutes should have won you a game-winning penalty? That's wrong. Oh, there, there is no rationale in it, but Smith Rowe is injured, right? So he, he's forced his hand into picking someone else. Smith Rowe's got hip injury. He needs to fill that position. If you think for one minute he's going to pick okay. Pepe, to start over Willie, over William when Willie when they're both fit, oh, you're mad. If you think he, if you think he's going to pick Martinelli over William, you must be sniffing glue and living in 1987 no. because this this manager, I like him. I think he does a lot right, but what he does a lot wrong is his stubbornness to players that do not deserve it. Do not deserve it. I don't know if you saw the interview with Martinez in the week prior to the Burnley game. He basically said was, they didn't say I wouldn't play, but Arteta said, I wouldn't. I, I can't guarantee you games. Yeah, it's, it's mad. And it is time and time and time again. There was another story in the week about Leno saying the goalkeeping coach is absolutely dog shit. And that uh, this is the same goalkeeping coach that uh, gave the ball the suggestions to sign Rudison who we can all agree on is complete bullshit and not at the level of the Premier League what? level, who was the D, the D, the Dijon Mustard's fucking what? second choice. They don't even play him, but we decide to take him as our second choice. There is so much bad management, and that comes from the board to the manager. So much bad, bad management. Going out and getting William on a three-year deal for 220 grand a week. Bad management. And you see it in these in-game management. The substitutions, Al. 
I was texting you when the game was going on, and I was saying that you better take Saka off in a minute. We got Tottenham next week. Doesn't bring him off. Doesn't bring him off. Doesn't bring him off. And to be truthful with you, Alf, he probably should have got sent off. There was a tackle that Sean Dice brought up in his press conference where he gets the man, doesn't get the ball on the edge of the box, and it's a second, it's a yellow card. And you must sit there and you must think, fuck me, Arteta. Fucking wake up, mate. We're playing Tottenham next week. The league's gone, for whatever reason, your fault or not. We need to win next week and we need to win in Europa League. Every other game yeah. doesn't matter. Fucking yank him off, give him 60 minutes rest and get on with it. And another bit of bad management, what he did, he yanked off party on the 79th minute. Now, I know we've got Olympiacos on Thursday, but you're telling me 10 minutes, 11 minutes not playing football is a is a difference maker for rest for a game on I... Thursday. Give him the full 90. Make him play. Stop making free subs every game because that's what you feel like you have to do to show your justification for your wage. Stop doing it and keep party out there. If he's fit enough for 80 minutes, he's fit I don't enough. Know. I would normally agree with you, but on, on party, I'd take exception just purely because party's got a bit of a reputation already now for, for getting injured. And, and I, I just think... But what oh, difference does no, minutes ten... make, Alf? What difference does 10 minutes really make when we're forcing a goal? Yes, the league hasn't got much, you know, point to it, but we need to get a win. Why are you taking, you know, outside of... He took Erdegaard off, he took Partey off. The two best creative midfielders we had on that pitch. Saka's a great player. He wasn't having a great game. He's more of a wide man. I'm talking in that kind of concentrated triangle of your number 10 and your two spine players in the midfield. He's taken off the two best creative players and replaced them with Sabayos. I think also... What? Come on. That is bad, bad game management. And he needs to take the brunt for it because we could have easily lost that game. Yeah, but what's the flip side? The flip side is he plays party the full 90, party pulls up, and then we're missing him for the most important game of our season. Yeah, but Alf, the chance of oh, him pulling up in the last 10 minutes. They are. Oh, no, they're not. Only they're not high. They're not high. Alf, they're not high. They're not high. Okay, if you're going to take party off, that's fine. Play Odegaard 90 minutes. We're talking about professional footballers. It's only in the last 10 years that we think the top level of players can't play Odegaard 90 minutes week in, week out. Saturday, yeah, he runs hard, but Saturday to Thursday rest, Al. Oh. That's a rest, mate. Sunday rest, Monday train, Tuesday rest, Wednesday train, play on the Thursday. Fuck me. We're talking about professional athletes. We're not talking about people. Oh, you know, people are, one because, you know, uh, when... he, yanked, he yanked him off on a 60-second minute. Regardless of saving him, he's not brought off the player on the yellow card. He took off the two most attacking midfielders we've got in the centre of the park. And you go, well, of course we're not going to break him down with 11 men behind the ball because we've taken our best two passes of yeah, ball. I... Man, game management. This is this is why he's paid the hundreds of thousands a month. Game management. Not only the training. I'm, I, I can guarantee he's the best trainer and he's the nicest guy to work with. He looks it. The players love him. Everyone loves him. 
but his game management, the amount of times I was tweeting it on the uh, podcast account during the game, and it's like, how many more times does he need to learn these mistakes? This is not new. I guarantee if we listen back to a few podcasts, I would have said the same thing with different situations. Saka shouldn't have been out there. He gets a red card and misses Tottenham. You're telling me you well, want to be feeling, but the flip side... You're telling me party plays another 10 minutes, he doesn't get injured. Come on, let's, let's have right. 10 minutes, Alf. The Erdegaard one, I'd get it. If he, he if he's going to yank him off of half an hour to go, that's a third of the game left. But 10 minutes, I don't... keep him out there, man. There is no reason to bring Sabios on in the centre middle of Park when, if they break, Sabios is not as good of a defender as Partey is. Sabios... Then what happens? Sabayos. We lose the game 2-1. I know Sabayas hit the post at the end. I know he did. And he, he, he didn't do bad. He never does bad, really. But the point I'm making is this is what he needs to do. He needs to have a pair of bollocks and, and say, this is what we're doing. This is this, this is this, this is this. Regardless of injuries, I feel as a fan, if they're fit enough to start, they're fit enough to play 90 minutes. If they're fit enough to be on the bench, they're fit enough to start. If you're not fit to be on in the starting or in the squad 16, whatever it is, you shouldn't be there. Because if you get called on, if your keeper's not fit enough to play 60 minutes, but you're called on on the 10th minute, what's the fucking point? What's the point of being on the bench? You should be fit, ready and raring to go. And party probably would have played the next 10 minutes and been brilliant. And we still might have drawn one all. But you go, he kept his attacking players on. We gave it a go. We tried to rectify our own error. But he hasn't done that. And he does this time and time again. How many times has he brought Nene on as a sub? Yeah, we need but I think... The Burnley Far game, too many, Alfred. But I still think the Burnley times. game needs to be taken in isolation because he probably thinks this game isn't worth a wank. And it isn't. Do you honestly think he gives a shit about that result? One all at Burnley. It doesn't change our season in the slightest. Well, the problem is, Alf, well, the last game we played was on the Sunday against Leicester, right? So we've had six days rest. We played Burnley. We've got, what is that? Four. Okay, my maths is terrible. We've got five days rest. Every other club is playing every other four or five days. We've had two games in 14 days or 16 days, and we're going into, like you say, the biggest game of our season, and our players ain't match fit. They ain't raring to go like the other clubs in the Premier League. Perhaps they've given up. They ain't ready. I can. T- I think we're seeing what we have saw under Emery, and I think we can all look back on it on hindsight and say 2020 vision's perfect, but hindsight, you go, what did Emery really no. do that wrong? Yeah, I know what you mean. Really? He, he tried, he tried different, he tried everything. But again, the nucleus was there. The problem is within the players not being good enough. Arteta gets more time because he's an ex-player and he has some sort of affiliation to the club and the fan base. But if he doesn't, if he doesn't get us Europa League football in the summer, he needs to be sacked. There is no wish-wash with it. Everton. We're, we should be bigger than Everton. He's had enough time to work. We signed our, the one of the best strikers in the world down to a long-term deal. We need to be getting Europa League football minimum. 
be that the league, be that Europa League, European football is a minimum for Arsenal Football Club. And if we finish ninth or 10th, you go, knocked out the FA Cup by Southampton from poor management because he picked the wrong team. Knocked out the Europa League because we didn't have the bollocks or we didn't have the squad depth. And that's not because we haven't balled. We spent a lot of money. And you go, the league was an absolute whitewash with something like yeah, 12 Yeah, it'll be a bad teams. season. I don't think... But this is... This, oh, but it has to have a reflection on the manager. The manager, at one point... I'm not one of those fans that say Wenger out, Arteta out. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is there has to be a buck when he goes, he's the blame now. You have to you have to take responsibility at some point as yeah, management. I think, I think he does, though. I, I think he does blame himself for, for, for some of the things that have gone wrong. And I don't know if we can compare ourselves to Everton because Everton have got loads of money and they've got Ancelotti as a manager. Why wouldn't they be in your... Alfie, 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 Alfie. We have got more money than Everton. We had a manager in Arsene Wenger that was more experienced. Didn't work the last latter years. It didn't work. Emery came in with a good pedigree. He managed Seville to Europa League titles. He managed Paris Saint-Germain, PSG. You don't manage those sort of clubs if you're a crap manager. He had some, he had some experience. We got rid of him in 16 months, 18 months, because he wasn't good enough. Now we're coming into the same period, and we have gone backwards. Yeah, I didn't. Facts or not? Yes, we won the FA Cup, but we're low in the league. We've lost more games. Well, in hindsight, I don't think there's Come been on. that much of, of a there difference has... between Emery and and um, and Arteta. But we just have to see how deep we can go into uh, the Europa because you know we get a semi final or we get a final, then the season ain't bad, is it? Alf, we've got to get. This, I saw a funny tweet on Twitter which really didn't tickle me. And I've said this to you before off the podcast. It was a tweet from a Man United fan. Was Arsenal have been in the Europa League so long they've got a rivalry? Yeah, with it's the Greek mental, And that is true, Alf. That is true. We're all sitting there going, let's get some fucking revenge against Olympiakos in the knockout round. If we beat, if we go through Olympiacos over two games, sandwiched between Tottenham, Liverpool, and someone else, I think it might be. It might be wrong, but it's definitely sandwiched between Tottenham. You go, okay, you get through those games. Tottenham, that's a hard game. On the eighth of April, we've got to play a quarter final. Then you've got to play two legs of a quarter final. Then you've got to play two legs of a semi final. Then you've got to play a final, as we learned a couple of years ago. A final is a hard game to play against, especially a European final when the pressure is on, and especially when the pressure is on nice. when your whole league season has capitulated because of terrible league performances time and time again, and errors on the pitch. I'm quite confident, to be honest. We've... I'm not. I'm not. And the reason I'm not is because last year we got knocked out by, was it Olympiacos, right? The year before, what was it? It was the year before. The year before, we lost the final to Chelsea. And we and we was all really confident in that game. They've already got Champions League football. They don't need it. Bloody, bloody, blah. The year before that, we lost to Athletic Home in, in the semi-finals. How many more times do we have to learn this lesson? Don't put all your eggs in your own, in the European, in the Europa League basket. How many well, times do we have to learn this mistake? And we will learn it again. I guarantee you that. 
We will learn it again. Be that against Olympiacos or be that against Man United in the quarterfinals. We will come unstuck. Again, oh, I don't think. I mean, we, we we normally do well in the Europa League, and a lot of it will play on who we draw. If if we draw, obviously we drew Olympiacos, we should win against them. All it takes is two of the big boys to draw each other, knock it, knock one of the other ones out. We still, in terms of not in terms of quality of opposition, but in terms of how many games we've actually got to win to to get the Champions League football and to win the cup. It's not many games, is it? So I still think. No, but it is though. Alf, it is. We've got two games in the uh, against Olympiacos. We've got um, two games in the quarterfinal. We've got two games in the semi-final, and we've got the final. Two, four, six. Two. Four, so, yeah, seven we've got games, seven but games. Out of some win. of them, they will um, be out of sight from. The... Yeah, like that, um, I've just got the um, fixtures up here. We've got Man United versus Milan. Yeah, that's not a bad res- uh, draw for us. We've got Dynamo Kiev versus Villarreal. Whatever. Ajax versus Young Boys. Whatever. Slavia Prague versus our second team, Alfie. Rangers. We've got Olympiacos versus Arsenal. We've got Granada versus Mould. And we've got Tottenham versus Dynamo Zagreb. And we've got Roma versus Shakhtar Donetsk. And I'll tell you now, if we get Tottenham in the next round and we yeah, lose that in a Europe in a European knockout stage across two legs, if we lose against Tottenham, which is a high possibility, especially against the Jose Mourinho team, then then what? If we get knocked out of Europa League in this stage at Olympiacos or the next one, and we finish ninth, does well, our team yeah, probably does his job? Think... Yes or no, Alfie? I think you know. I, I don't see that they will because I think they're trying to instill a manager that stays beyond two minutes. Because we don't want to be in a situation like Chelsea where they're just changing manager every time they get off the ump. Yeah, I, I do understand that, and I, I am of the same vein of you, Alf. I'm playing kind of the devil's advocate here, but there has to be a bottom. When it goes, how many more times is the management going to make the same mistake, be that at touchline or at board level? Edu, he's making the same mistakes every time in the transfer market. The management on the touchline, they are making the same mistakes every time. William keeps starting. Martinelli ain't playing. Saliba ain't playing. We are going to lose these players that are supposedly the best things since sliced bread and we're not even giving him a, a sniff. Why did we not send Martinelli on loan in January? Tell me why. If the manager doesn't fancy him or doesn't like him or doesn't think he's ready, and the board can't get him alone away from no, it's, the Emirates, it's, 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 why isn't he gone? For six months. If you ain't going to play... He, he has been in time. Then. Why are you... Uh, it doesn't make a difference, Alf. I can tell you now, Crystal Palace would absolutely bite our hands off to have him for eight games in the last six months. But we don't loan him out. Why? Bad management. Bad board management. Bad team management. Bad game management, not giving him yeah. games. So, well, we'll have to just see how it pans out. I think we'll know a lot more about where we are Thursday evening. You know, if we put in an amazing performance against Olympiacos, and then we get a semi-easy draw in the next round. Things will perk up. But obviously, it is frustrating to see the 
Premier League season be finished this early on. But that is what it is. And the sooner we accept that, the better, to be honest. Well, it's always the thin and the finger when it February the season's done. And on that, Alf, we will wrap up this podcast. It's been our longest podcast we've ever done. And I think that says everything you need to know about the club and its current affairs. There's a lot of frustration on and off the pitch amongst the fan base. And all I've got to say is, Alfie, who was your man and match Pepe. against Burnley? My man, the match was VAR once again. You have done an absolute stellar performance. Thank you so much for making sure all the right things happen in football. Alfie, I will speak to you probably Thursday night, provided we win. If not, I will speak to you Friday or Saturday yep. when next time we decide to do a podcast. I love you very much. Thank you for joining me. Keep safe, my friend. Keep safe, everyone listening. And uh, see you later. This is the next podcast. Much love, everyone.